Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier <coughs> excuse me, than, <coughs> than I, the strap of whose sandals... <coughs> I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Pastor Ben. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm always honored and thrilled to be up here preaching and speaking to myself and you as well. Uh, We are in the second week of Advent, so today we get to light the uh, second candle in our Advent wreath. And this candle signifies peace. And we recognize as we light this that we need, we need the Prince of Peace in our life, in this world, and this city. So let's pray for peace today. Hopefully that lights like it should. There we go. But if you have your Bible with me today, turn to Isaiah 40. Starting at verse 1. It says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cried her that her warfare is ended, and that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judea, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Anyone hate being away from home for a while? Like, I'm a person of comfort, uh, I don't like going places for a long time. I just feel uncomfortable there. You can't do the same things you can do when you're home. It just feels different there. You don't have the same level of comfort. I can't just turn on the TV and watch whatever I want. I can't go to my bed and sleep, which is really comfortable. Uh, I'm fine with staying at a hotel for a while, but then I, like, after like three days, I just want my own bed and I want my own pillow. 
when we go to the beach, I sleep on a sleeper sofa, and the, like, I've never seen Seinfeld when Lane sleeps on the couch. Like, that's what it feels like. The bar is just shoving into my back. Uh, and so like, after a while, I just miss home. And I used to travel a lot uh, with Jared, our founding pastor, when he would go to different churches as an evangelist. And that really made a difference for me because I, I hate being away. And, like, you go to play, people's houses and the food's bad sometimes. This one person made us, like, orange chicken, but the chicken breasts weren't cooked. And I was, me and Jared are like, yeah, we, we had to, like, sort of pretend to eat it. And then some of those trips we stayed overnight. I remember one of my first, like, overnight trips with Jared, we went to... Pittsburgh, to the ghetto of Pittsburgh, to a men's house, and we, we get up to the house, and we look across the street, we're like, those look like bullet holes in the house across the street, and they're like, oh yeah, last night, a gang came by with AK-47s and shot up the house across the street, I was like, oh, and then we get in the house, like, you're sleeping in this, on this cot, and just to make you aware, we leave the front door open at night in case anyone needs to come in out of the, off the streets, I was like, What? And so I didn't sleep the whole night. I just wanted to be home. I was so uncomfortable. My first ever overnight trip to Scranton, being away from home, I stayed at Jared's grandparents' house. And we went to bed, and at 1 a.m., I woke up sweating. Like, I thought I was dying. I was like, I am sick. I can't be here. I am, like, dying. I, I barely slept, and I get out in the morning, and I'm, Jared's grandmother's there. I'm telling her, like, I don't know if I feel good. And she's like, What's wrong? I was like, I was just sweating all night. She's like, oh, yeah, I turned the heated blanket on before you got in that bed. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, put it up to 90. I was like, what? And, like, she didn't tell me that before, so I thought I was dying. I was so uncomfortable. I just wanted to be home. And how many of you know that feeling? Like, you're somewhere, and, like, you're like, I just wish I was home right now. I wish things were back to my comfort level. This chapter in Isaiah is written to a people in exile, the first 39 chapters prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem and them being led into captivity. And now we are 150 years past that point. They've been in exile for 150 years, and they're finally permitted to go back home. They're finally free. And you're wondering, what does this have to do with us today? And I love that we see these lines about making the desert straight, and then we see also Mark is telling that John's making the desert and the pathway straight. So the what matters back then also matters now and also matters for the future. It's how the Bible works sometimes with prophecies. And today I just want to declare, just like the Israelites, we are free today. We are, we are called back home today. The passage starts with a cry that exile is over and that freedom is here. We are not able to go back home. Their debt has been paid. War is over. They're calling us back home. Does this sort of message sound familiar to you? To me, once I read it, I was like, this is actual a gospel message, that we were once in captivity, in bondage, in war, and now we have a way back home. Our debt was paid. We are free and free from sin. And I think one of the hardest things to do is actually to step out of that cage of bondage, to realize that we're free, to realize what the cross of Christ did for us. We somewhat, it's more comfortable in our cage, where it just is. To actually take that step out, it's painful, it hurts sometimes, you have to get rid of some things in your life. It takes effort to step out of that captivity and sin. And today I want to declare that Jesus has flung wide the prison doors of our captivity. But we have to take a step out and not stay captive. We need to realize that we are free today. Can I talk about chickens for a second? 
I love this. It's just, everyone's like, where is he going? So I have always had this theory about chickens, and my wife hates it because she's a vegan and loves animals. And this is, hear me out, I, I'd rather a chicken have a happy life. But I always thought that like a cage-free chicken life in the end is actually worse than being in a cage. And hear me out. A cage free chicken has no idea he's in captivity. He just thinks he's out in the open enjoying life. And then one day the farmer comes, grabs him, and chops his head off. To me, I'm like, that is a terrible life to live. You're happy. Everything's great. You think you're free. And then you're not really free. You're someone's food. And then the cage chicken has no idea he's in a cage. That's how he was born. That's where he grew up. He looks around there in a bleak building with tons of chickens in cages. And he goes, I guess this is what a chicken does. He has no idea that this is captivity. He actually probably thinks he's a little free. And I might be wrong. I don't take this as like what, like chickens might think they're having, but this is what I think. And so one day when an animal rights group comes and they get rid of this chicken factory and they free all the chickens from their cages... What a life that is now. The chicken thinks he grew up just in a cage. He thinks this is what life is about. And then the door flings open and there's a whole new world, a whole new field, a whole new place ready for him. We are so used to being in captivity. We were born into sin that sometimes freedom feels strange to us. Today as cry is going out that your debt has been paid. You are free. If you are stuck in a cage of sin today, the first step is realizing you are free and just making that step out of the cage into a whole new world. Captivity is over. And a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh. See it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's some involvement here by us for freedom. We have to realize that the Israelites, being away from home for 150 years, the roads had been overgrown, it's been become rocky, the paths back to home weren't clear. And so there's some upkeep that we need to do in our lives, just like the Israelites had to do back then. We have stuff in our lives that are blocking us from God that we need to clean up. We've been gone for so long that we don't realize we've put stuff in place that we can't see God. And so what are some things in your life that are blocking you from way, the way back to God? Maybe it's some sin that you know you have, or maybe it's, it could just be some things you put in front of God that you turn to other than him first. It doesn't have to be sin. It could be just normal good things. And I want to make a statement here that this is not saying that somehow we need to do something to earn the grace of God and a way back to God. I, would, I want to explain it like this. I have kids. My kids destroy our playroom every day. A mess everywhere. And in the midst of that mess, my youngest always loses her pacifier. It's just gone. And she's always like crying, where is it? And so we have to like, stop. But when we clean up the room, there's the pacifier. It was always there. And in the same way I want to make the statement today, God's there waiting for us. We're just blocking us ourselves from God. He's not saying, okay, clean your lives up and I'll come to you. He's saying, get these things, lower these things, make a path straight to me. I'm there, I'm waiting for you. 
We have some work to be done in our lives. We want to see God. He's there. And for most of us, this type of Old Testament reading at Advent is really strange, right? We're used to the manger scene and story of wise men, shepherds, and angels singing joyful songs. And somehow a drummer boy gets thrown in there. Anyone get mad at the drummer boy song? I know Justin likes to light up his sticks and play it, but I'm like, I looked into the history because I was just mad at it. I was like, who wrote this? Why? No one, no, the Bible never says there's a drummer boy there. And I realized it was just, they made that show, the little Christmas special, and they're like, we need the Von Trapp family to write this song and performance. They did. There's no drummer at the manger scene. I hate to ruin your, ruin your story. Justin's not there with light up sticks playing as hard as he can. That would really bother a woman who just gave birth. <laughs> but we are, <laughs> true, true. We are this, there, and this Old Testament story is not comforting to us because there's work to be done. We are met with the story of a people who have been away from their homes for 150 years, their lives destroyed, and they were living in a land strange to them, and now they're called back home, but the path isn't clear for them. They have some work to be done to clear the path. This is not the normal comforting story of a baby Jesus in a manger, but there's a reason for this today, and it's the reason I love Advent, is that our world is... We just rushed to Christmas. Everyone saw it. Right when Halloween was over, Christmas decorations were up in Walmart. In fact, I went into Walmart on Halloween and Christmas decorations were up. I'm like, why are we here this quick? And we do that in our own lives. We just rush to the story of Christmas and we forget there's some work to be done before we get there. It's going to get uncomfortable before we get to the comfort. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is actually a really good time of the year to get comfortable. It's usually cold outside, but inside, you got your lights up, it's cozy, your Christmas lights are on, you put the fireplace on TV, or if you're lucky, you have a real fireplace, I'm jealous of you, and you grab some hot cocoa, you put some Hallmark or Christmas movies on, you get a blanket, and life is good, and you're comfortable. If we rush towards the comfort of Christmas, we miss the chance to hear the uncomfortable challenge of John the Baptist who says, repent, make way and make straight the path of the Lord. Prepare a way for God in your life. We have to sit and deal with the brokenness of our sin. And we don't like to do that as a culture, right? No, it's not, not fun to sit down and go, wait a second, what am I, what's blocking me from Jesus? What are some things I'm dealing with that I'm not free from, even though God has called us to freedom? We have to realize that he's made a way, but that way takes some steps from us. Today is the day to start lowering some mountains. Maybe you've put something in front of God. It might be bad. It might be good. It might just be ideals you have about Jesus that aren't really Jesus. And he's saying lower those mountains. They make straight the path of the Lord. And maybe, and this is a tougher thing, there's some sin in your life that you just can't, you've struggled with dealing with. In this Advent season, I want to challenge us today to prepare the way of the Lord, to clear that thing off so we can see Jesus. I love the Advent. I, I call it this. I call it the Lent of Christmas because we're a liturgical church. We celebrate Lent right before Easter, and it's the same thing. It's actually about repentance and waiting and longing and preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus. And part of that preparing is to look at our lives and go, you know what? In our brokenness, we have to deal with it, but the good news of Christmas is Jesus sees our brokenness as well, and he still came to us. Like I said, Jesus is there in the road. God is there. We just have to clear the stuff out of the way that's blocking us from him. He's there waiting for us. 
there could be a lot of good or bad things that are in the way, and I just want to challenge us today. This season, it doesn't have to be right today because it takes a while. This season is the time we deal with that stuff that's blocking us from Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. So now that we have gotten a little uncomfortable, right? Everyone's uncomfortable. When I mention sin, I'm sure all of us think of something that we consider sin in our lives. It's, it's, it's not hard to do, and so we're a little uncomfortable right now here. But there's good news here that now we became uncomfortable, we can meet the comforter, that someone's actually there that can comfort us. So in the next few verses, we have this weird interaction with the writer of Isaiah and a voice crying. And so it says right here, a voice says cry, and the writer of this is like, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The writer is like, what can I cry out to, to bring comfort? Because we're just like grass. He notices the frailty of life. He's like, what are we? We're just but grass and, it, and flowers and all their beauty, and one breath of the Lord can just blow us all away. He's like, we'll, we'll fade away, but God will last forever. Maybe today you and I are wondering, where's the comfort here? If we look at our lives, we realize the frailty of life. Like we're, like, we're all dying at some point here. We're all, we're all going away at some point, and we're pretty frail, and we are grass. And maybe most of us today, like I have at one point, and maybe still do in some circumstances, expect God to meet us with like knowing our frailty and just blowing us and destroy us. Most of us say, like, maybe we were afraid to get rid of this sin and to lower these things and to clear the roads back to them because we're like, what God's going to meet us there? Is it a God that's going to be angry at me for all of this? Like the writer straits, we are but grass compared to God. What's the point? We don't last. God lasts. So what does it matter to him? Like, and this is where it turns more towards a Christmas message today. Here is where the joy enters the story. He says, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with the strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. So this voice cries back to the guy. The guy's like, what are we, but grass? What, what do I have to say to these people? They're, we all know our sinful nature. We all know we're frail. What do I say? And the voice tells him what to say. He says, go up to a mountain, cry it out. This is joyful news. Verse 10, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. We're going, what are we but just grass, right? What are, like, why, like, God's last forever. He's so much more mighty than us. He can just blow on us and destroy us. He's going to meet us with wrath. And then we see something different here, that there's good news, we see ourselves as grass, as frail, but God sees us as sheep. He sees our frailness, but he doesn't destroy us. He gathers us close to him. I love, in, in COVID, this became really popular, where like you decide to wear a mask one day, and one of your friends is like, you're a sheeple. And I just hated it, because I'm like, yeah, I am. God calls me a sheep. What, what do you want me to be? <laughs> like, I hated that term because like, like, we are sheeple. Like, and today I'm, I'm telling you, you are sheep. 
You're not grass. You're not some frail being. God sees your frailness, and then instead of treating you like grass, he, he treats you like his flock, like a caring shepherd. And this is where the comfort comes in. Comfort will come from my people. It's not, there's no comfort in knowing that we're grass and we're frail and we're going to f- blow away. There's comfort in knowing that God sees our frailness and then brings us close to him like a shepherd in his flock. We usually think the worst of God for us. Like we're thinking, oh, God, here it comes. After I deal with my sin, he's really going to be there with a strong army. He's getting really mad. And God, in our sin, in our frailness, sees us and says, let me just draw you close to me and bring you to me. Our home is in Christ. And today, as we live in this world, and we, it's easy to recognize that we're not home still. The same verse that meant something to them back then, meant something to John as he screamed it out in the wilderness, means something to us now that we can realize we're not home. Look around us. There's war, there's, there's destruction, there's sin, there's death. And our comfort is that it doesn't matter because our home is in Jesus. The shepherd is here. Find your rest and comfort in him. This is the one who meets us on the road. As we make our way back to him, he's there waiting as a shepherd, just ready to bring his flock home. I love at the end, he says, even he leads those gently that are with young. That's like nursing sheep. He even cares for like, like the mothers, the sheep mothers that are probably taking their time because they're nursing sheep. It's longer. It's a more bigger process to lead them somewhere. He still leads them gently back home as well. So I love that picture. No matter what you're going through, God is patient enough to lead you back home. No matter what it takes, he's willing to lead us back home. He's the one who meets us on the road. He carries us home. St. Augustine writes in his confessions, you have made for us yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We have to come to the realization that God has made us a home in him. There's so many other things in this world that we can find our rest in. It's really simple, right? I find my rest in playing a video game with my friends at night sometimes over defining my rest in Jesus. It gives me comfort. And then I get mad at the video game. It doesn't give me comfort. And I'm like, oh, I should just turn to the Lord here. When I'm like having a stressful day at work, I just want to come home. And the way I deal with it is playing a video game. And I'm like, why am I turning to God in that moment? And maybe there's things here. And I know it's hard right now. If you look at the world, there's so much stuff going on. And it's so easy to go, where's the comfort in this? And then we're so easy to find our comfort in other things And Jesus is saying, I'm here as your shepherd. I want to draw you close, and I want to carry you with me as we go throughout this journey of life. Comfort, oh, comfort my people. And so now, as we wait, the Advent is about waiting. We're waiting for Jesus to return again. So what do we do while we're waiting? We rest in Jesus. We put our hope in him and find comfort in him. It doesn't say we lead ourselves back to home, he leads us home. He carries us and leads us along the way. So what are the things in your life today that you have to make straight, that you have to prepare, that you have to bring down, or things you have to raise up? What are some rocky things in the road that are keeping you from Christ? This Advent season is the time to start getting rid of those things and finding Jesus. What are some things you're finding comfort in today that's not Jesus, that your heart easily turns to? Instead of him, I encourage you, if those are what you're finding your rest in, you'll be, still be restless. Anyone knows the restless heart? Because, like, it's Christmas time. I make a Christmas wish list every year, 
right? We're all like this. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I get something, and I'm, like, happy for a bit, and then I'm like, I don't even remember what I got last year. Because our heart just keeps going and wanting and wanting and wanting and changing and wanting. It's easy to be restless. And God's saying, hey, I'm right here. Find your comfort. Find your rest in me. If there's people in here struggling today, if you're going through a tough time in your life, there's one who can comfort you. His name is Jesus. There's one who cares for you. His name is Jesus. He doesn't blow on us like grass and and whisk us away and we're frail. He cares for us in our brokenness and holds us close and he's leading us back home today. Let's make clear the path to him. And the good news, like I said before, is the comforter is coming again. We have hope today and we cry out today in our acclamation, like, come Lord Jesus. Because we see the brokenness in this world and we're saying this is not right, we are not home but we trust that God is the one leading us there. And next week, we get a message on what that home looks like when everything's made right. But in the meantime, we wait patiently, longing for him, and then we just get as close to him as possible. He gathers us close. In fact, he's probably just there with his arms open right now waiting for you. So I just want to challenge us today, those things in our lives that we've put in the way of Jesus, to clear those out and make room for him. Make a way back to him. Maybe today you're stuck in a cage and you're going, I've been in this sin for so long, I don't know what to do. Take the first step and realize you're free. That all you have to do is step out. There's a wide open pasture waiting for you and a shepherd there willing to care for you. I remember times in my life where I'm dealing with something and I get to a point where it's just overwhelming me and, I'm, and I have the thought, wait a second, did I pray about this? <laughs> and I realized, I should just pray. And in those moments, I met with a tender, loving shepherd who's willing to care for me. That's the God we meet on this road today. So I just want to encourage you this Advent season that with these, this message of freedom, that we are free. Jesus, when he died on that cross, set something free. A new day started. We are free from the sin that held us down. Take a step out of that cage. Two, Clear a path for Jesus. There are things blocking you from God, things you put in front of him. And like I said, it's not to get this. He's not waiting. Like there's no involvement. He still loves you and cares for you. He's there. But lots of times we think we can't get to him because we've had all these things in our lives. Clear those things out and just see him there waiting for you. And then the last thing here, which I think is the more important thing, is that Now that we're waiting, now that we're waiting for Jesus to come back, what are we doing? And the voice said, cry out, go up on a high mountain, O herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities, behold your God. That we have a job to do on this earth of going up and shouting out, with our loudest voices, God is here and he cares. He's a shepherd. He sees your frailness, but he doesn't care. He meets you in that and he holds you close. God is here. God with us. And so in this waiting time, if you cleared your path, if you found Jesus, tell people about him. Tell them about his goodness, that he met you in your frailness, that you thought you were grass and you ended up being sheep with a good, loving shepherd. It's time to cry out the good news of God on this earth because We need it. There's so much darkness and bad news and death and destruction that we need to be the people here that don't champion that news, but we champion the better news that 
God is near, he's coming, he's a good shepherd, and he's willing to care for us and lead us to a better place. You guys don't mind standing as we move to the rest of our liturgy today. Thank you.